Welcome to the CarCast, as we actually still see sunlight. It doesn't happen very much, but it's very much waning. Yes. And, uh, yeah, so Owen and Sean here as we drive home after a very long afternoon game. Uh, late start because of from the 1 o'clock scheduled start because of a very well-done pregame ceremony honoring Jason Spezza's 1,000th career NHL game, which was a little over a week ago in Montreal. Mm-hmm. Maybe, well, not quite two weeks, right? Week about and ten half. days ago. Okay, yep, yeah. so about a week and a half. Um, and I thought the Stars continue to show some incredible amount of class and thoughtfulness in terms of not only the gifts that they do give to players for this, and fitting that Dan Hemmings was in the building. I said hi to him. Yep. He's injured. but uh, Dan's he's a good playing guy. Playing for Nashville. He hit it last year. Mm-hmm. This year, Jason Spezza, of course, did it. And I just thought that what they did was great. They, uh, The team, the players, gave him a Rolex. Mm-hmm. Um, they had the, uh, Spezza's wife, his four, their, his, their four children, his Spezza's parents out there on the ice. So that was a really nice touch. Um, an etched crystal, commemorative crystal of the occasion from Jim Lights. And then Tom Gillardi, oh, the silver stick. Silver stick, yes. From Jim Nill. Silver sticks, which are, well, it's in the uh, silver stick, which is actually, which is kind of, kind of neat is the silver sticks are actually based on the player's stick. Right, it's not just a it's generic not, it's stick, not, it's, it's not a generic, stick. It's not a generic silver stick. They send one of Jason Spezza's sticks to the, I guess, the silversmith, I guess you would call them. So, like, coat it? Yeah, um, yeah and plate to, it. To, to make a silver stick that's got Jason Spezza's curve, the length. It's Jason Spezza's stick, but in silver. But in silver, which is really, really cool. Yep. And then, the to me, what blew it all away was the owner's gift. Tom Gillardi, a celebratory dinner featuring four of the all-time great Dallas Cowboys. And for anyone that doesn't know, Jason Spencer, when he first got to Dallas, told everybody just how big of a Cowboys fan he was. Troy Aikman, Emmett Smith, Daryl Moose Johnson, and uh, Jay Novich. Jay Novich. I mean, I, I, it's amazing because I was watching Spence's face when they announced that, and he was genuinely surprised and excited about that. Like a, um, so that would be a really cool it, moment it's for It's like him. when uh, when the star first opened, the uh, Cowboys practice facility in Frisco, yes. when it first opened, a couple of the players went over, a couple of stars players went over and got a tour of the star. And Spezza was like a kid down like Christmas when he was touring it. He was going to the locker room. Like, Jason Spezza is a huge Dallas it's Cowboys fan. It's not just fan. a, oh, yeah, I like the Cowboys yeah. from afar. Yeah. He's a big fan. Yeah. So that's... Uh, Big applause and kudos to the, the team and the ownership to doing that. They, they did it right. Yes. Now, what that did is push the start back a bit, which is fine. But then, of course, the game went into overtime. And it also felt like a just, longer it was, day. It felt like a longer day, too, because of all of the stuff leading up to it. Now no. we're about to get into a bunch of that. Okay. <laughs> because, um, I nearly issued a pregame 2020, Stars 2020. And so <laughs> a fan actually tweeted at me at, because I was starting to type out some notes because we were we doing our pregame radio broadcast. And it just seemed like we didn't have enough, and I had to sort of reset this. Mm-hmm. And it was just one after another after another. Sean, you and I are driving yeah. into the game today, and our phones started blowing up yep. because we thought Joel Henley making his Dallas Stars uh, debut, his 23rd career NHL game, was a big deal because of the Klingberg injury. Uh, it turns out to be not yesterday's news. Yes, literally. Um, and today, this, today, this morning... Um, Ben Gleason gets the call that he is, in fact, coming up to the NHL. Um, gets called as, when he gets called up, he gets told it's as emergency precaution. 
because Roman Polak is sick. Roman Polak did not play today. And then all of a sudden, the uh, the 20-year-old, who he of 11 pro games ever, um, being his 11 AHL career games, who just two months ago was a free agent without a job, now is playing, play, comes in and plays 18 minutes in his first in his first career NHL game and actually acquitted himself pretty well. So let's go through the goals real quick. Yeah. Tyler Pitlick in the first period, that line I thought was the most balanced all night. Yeah. Uh, other lines up and down at times, but the Pitlick, Foxa, Como line were very steady in what they did. They shut the other team down. They, they continued to grind it out. They played their game, and it was on one of those shifts where they were grinding, cycling the puck, lost it, Pitlick stole it behind the Predators' net. Little drop pass, give and go with Foxa, and then he, he shoots one through a screen on Soros, and, and it's one nothing. It really epitomized the way that that line played today. Yeah, um, that was they were in the first period. They were the only line to really have much of anything to, and that was right. And there wasn't much from a Stars' perspective. They, they were outplayed. I, I think they were feeling out the lineup a bit. Mm-hmm. I actually uh, really noticed Joel Hanley in a positive way in the first period. I thought good, yeah. he was really noticeable then and then maybe tapered off a bit, but that's also his game style is to not be noticed. Yes. Whereas Gleason, I noticed him more as the game went on, and that's kind of inevitable for a 20-year-old to oh. kind of ease his way into feeling good. He, he actually was on our post-game show and said he didn't feel his legs really until the yeah. second period. He said the same thing when we talked to him after the game. He, um, <laughs> You think about it, he woke up preparing to play a game today. Right, he woke like, up there... We're planning to play San Antonio. San Antonio tonight, which is not, we're, as we're recording this, yeah. still over an hour away down in yes. Cedar Park. Yes. So, he, um... He gets a, a ride from Julio, who is the... Assistant equipment assistant manager. Assistant equipment manager for the Texas Stars. He chauffeurs him up here, and he, he wakes up at 7.30, Sean, to find this out. He has four and a half hours to get to the rink. It's yeah. a solid two and a half, three hour drive, depending yes. on what your construction 35 traffic yes. is like. Yes, yes. And you know what? The person who uh, deserves a uh, shout-out, if we're into that right now, is Julio, who now has to drive back to and Cedar Park to work the game tonight. To work the Texas. So Julio, he must have hightailed it out. Yes. Well, he was still in the locker room after the game. Okay. So, so I saw Julio was in the locker room after the game, and he was there when... Well, we both know him well because yes, we were both yes. in the AHL with him. He, so. was, he was there when Garyanov and uh, Gleason were getting their photos taken with, their, with, the, with the same with the pucks. pucks. Yeah, I saw that Twitter feed. Um so, but now then Julio had to turn around and drive back. So, the person working the hardest in the Stars organization today is Julio. Perhaps. <laughs> um, okay, so second period now, 12 seconds in, literally off the opening faceoff. Honka throws the puck up the wall right into Ryan Hartman, who says thank you, and skates the other way on a two-on-one. Lindell takes the pass, rightly so, mm-hmm. and Hartman beats Ben Bishop through the legs. 1-1, and it's just the kind of play that... For Honka, you're asking him to play a much bigger role. You get a chance to really uh, be one of your top pairing defensemen, right? You're in your top two pairs with the, all these injuries and, and illnesses, and he does that, and you go, oh, that's just not what you need. Yeah. yeah. You didn't like the goal from the goaltending perspective. Yeah, I mean, obviously the, turn- the turnover is horrendous, but I didn't like that goal on Bishop. That's a goal to me where that's a chance that Honka can't turn that puck over. Now, no, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing with that. One. That's a bad turnover, really bad turnover. But you have a team, you have a young team, a young core that has weathered a storm, figured its legs out, got out of the first period up one nothing against a team with the best record in the Western Conference. That's a save you need from your goalie. You can't be giving up. It's, it's between the legs. You can't give up a softie like that. 
when you've got that group in front of you. That's the one to me that really hurt. You, we can talk about other. Do you think goals. it's soft because of where it went in through the five hole, or you think it's because where of, where the timing combination of. Things. I mean, you'd love to see a save there, but I mean, Hartman came up with speed and he shot quickly. It's, yes, it, it's still that. It one, is a clear sight shot though. That is that is one to me that Ben Bishop needs to save. That is okay. a save that in that moment where. Ben Bishop isn't the reason they lost tonight, but that's the type of save this team needed to be able to win tonight. Well, a little over six minutes later, Honker redeems himself. Yes, he does. In a big way as he skates down the right wing and fires a beautiful pass through the crease, and it leads to a Tyler Sagan backdoor slam dunk. Mm-hmm. Now two goals in two games for Sagan, up to five on the year after a 12-game goal drop. That's good news. Um, unfortunately, Sagan didn't get two in the game, and he had plenty of chances. We'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, was... We always talk about with Honka this season that the rewards haven't outweighed the risks or the right. mistakes. Yeah. That one balanced a bit, but there were there were more too. to come. Yeah, and, and he had he had it was one of those where he had done if we're if we're looking at it like it's a scale, right? Mm-hmm. He had he had a couple things on the positive side early on actually that he completely washed out with the mistake. For right. example, there was the penalty kill situation in the first period. We made a nice play on the on the uh, right post to help to thwart a pretty good chance there. Um, he was good at times tonight, but the problem with Julius, the one thing that we've noticed with him is when he makes his mistakes, he find he has somehow has a knack to find the absolute worst time to make them. That's uh, that's a special skill, and it's not, and, it, and this is not, and maybe it's unlucky, maybe it's, and I'm not, and this is, maybe it's just players, other teams capitalize on his mistakes more, whatever, whatever reason it is, it just seems like he'll do three or four good things, but the mistakes just seem to be so big when they do happen. Yeah, and they're glaring. Yeah. All right, so it's one one after that. Because like for example, or two one, sorry. Real quick, if that Hartman goal, if, if Bishop makes that save. We gloss. We we think ah he can't do that, but you feel awful. But Bishop yeah. bailed him out. Yes, right. exactly. So it's two one. The Stars kill off another penalty. It's been three straight, and the team is a bit upset because there were a couple of chances for the referees to give the Stars a power play. One pretty blatant one was Blake Como getting hauled down as he was gaining the offensive zone. It looked like a holding penalty. No call, but they eventually do get a power play because P.K. Subban is trying to play agitator with Jamie Benn. Yes. We know from just the other night against Colorado on Wednesday when a hot night picked up Subban that he's not going to fight a heavyweight. No. He was more than happy to to exchange blows with Antoine Roussel because he's a middleweight. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not the case with Jamie Benn. And Jamie Benn not only is a big guy, he's a technical fighter too, so... Um, you probably don't want him fighting PK Subban. Actually, for, for, for the fights Jamie has taken, I'm if at comparison, I'm fine with him taking the okay. Subban fight. So Subban in general is yes. not going to fight him. Yes, but Subban's He's not trying, they, they spend 30 seconds or so hugging, hugging and grappling a little bit, but nothing. You knew nothing was going to happen. Well, the referees start to notice on the ensuing play. He hooks down Como right in the back of the knee, right in front of the ref, and gets, takes a tripping penalty. And, and then has the audacity to put his hands up and go, what? Yeah. But anyway, that gives the Stars their first power play. Ben almost scores on a redirection from a nice play by Devin Shore, mm-hmm. who gets elevated to the top power play unit with Haskinen since Klingberg's not there. Yeah. And then they give up a shorthanded bid, but Bishop's pretty song on, strong on that. And it leads to a Jason Spezza power play goal, which was very fitting given the circumstances of the game. Tonight. Yes. It was actually it turned out to be an unassisted goal because it was uh, originally they gave Gurianov an assist and Liddell, uh, yep. 
and they took it away because it was actually poked out of a scrum by the Predators. So, yeah. but great goal for Spezza, and that's big for the Stars. Yeah, no, that's big. And, I mean, it was one of those where Saros got completely turned literally backwards on yes, the play. Yes, he was actually just trying to cover the net with anything. Yeah. That wouldn't feel very good because there's well, very little been, padding that would have been the back right, of the right, leg. Right, well, the way he stretched out and with where that shot was, it would have hit him square in the back. With, I mean, there's not much padding yes. behind you, is there at all? No, there is none. There's there a lot of front. Yeah. There is very little. And, and Spezza blasted that thing. It wasn't yeah. a flutter puck. So anyway, it's 3-1. to one. The period goes to the end of the second. Uh, and you're thinking, wow, this is this is really yep. a good position. Mm-hmm. And you have a two-goal lead. Well, 17 seconds into the third period, yep. it's a, it's a one-goal game because of just weird circumstances. The puck flutters toward the net, takes a deflection, falls right towards uh, Ryan Johansson right in the crease, and he just kind of chops at it, and it flutters up and in over Bishop. Yep. 3-2, and you go, what happened? Two yeah. goals, first 20 seconds that, of each period. after a catfish appearance. Yeah? Did there was a catfish? That? No, I was actually uh, running back to my the, to the booth. I missed it. Was there, there, there was a catfish there was on a the catfish ice? There was a catfish on the ice. Oh, I missed that. So we had a slight, uh, we had a slight delay to the start of the third Tried period. Tried to run to the restroom between the end of the intermission report yeah. and the start of the third period, and there was that. Slight oh. delay to the start of the third period because a catfish on I the ice. I wonder the game went so long today. Yes. So anyway. Be a quick, quick side about side of the catfish. Yes. Why do you wait till the start of the third period to throw the catfish? Why do you why do you keep the catfish on your person, taped to your body for two full periods? Why not do it earlier, right? Exactly. Ugh. That's the that's the uh, that's my my question. It's, I don't know. That's just odd. It's just that's a long time to keep a slimy fish attached to your body. I don't think the ends justify the means in that regard. I mean, I mean, I guess technically the Predators were motivated enough to score a goal 17 seconds later. Yeah. Okay. So there's that one. But then the, the one that really hurt was the one uh, a minute and a half later. It was at 154. So inside the first yeah, two yeah, minutes, yes, yes. Uh, Yannick Weber shoots one from the point. Now, the precursor to this is that they work, they go sort of side to side around the boards a yes. couple of times. The Stars can't clear it. Mm-hmm. They probably had a chance to get the puck out and failed to do so, which kept the, things going. But Weber's wrister from the right point originally looked like, I think it was Kyle Turris, looked like it went off of his stick, which was elevated above the crossbar. And went in, and Bishop has got his hands up like, oh, come on, these redirections, I, you can't, the goalie has no chance, mm-hmm. and it, those are very frustrating because you you feel very helpless. Yeah. The second view, I mean, we watched it like four or five times, kind of looked like it hit the visor of Jason Dickinson, and they didn't pause the game for review, mm-hmm. the referees didn't, which suggested that it didn't touch Turst because I yeah. think it was borderline high sticking had it hit his stick. Yeah. And there was no, dis- there really was no discussion of it. No, there wasn't. Um, so I, I, I think it hit Dickinson. I just don't know where. Yeah, it was a weird one. It was weird. So. But that's how the game at three. Yeah. And then the Stars found a way to get the the go ahead goal, and it looked like oh, what a storyline yeah. for Ben Gleason who crushes it. Yeah. I thought he scored clean, and then I the, thought he scored too. The if replay you, showed it went off the and, pants of Gurianov. And, and he knew, and you could tell he knew it too, actually. Gleason knew right away, and he said it in the post-game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could see uh, in the celebration as Jamie Ben came over and gave him the big embrace and everything like that. He pointed, out, he pointed at Gurionov right away, like he and it caught him right on the, about yeah. the left thigh of his hockey pants as he was grappling with Subban in the slot. So Gurionov gets his first career NHL goal. It turns out it's his first point because they had the later on they took yes. the assist away. Mm-hmm. Gleason gets his first point in his first NHL game, uh, and you're thinking, what a great storyline. Yes. Four, three stars. You hang on to win this one. 
game over. In theory, the guy who is the 12th or 13th defenseman on your depth chart to start the season yeah. is... And we joked, yeah. who's next? Yeah. Could it be Cleason? Could it be... Yep. Who knows? Andre Pala? Nyberg, Hansen, whatever. Yeah, yeah, we were at that yeah. point. So, anyway, um, it turns into a Stars lead, which looks like they're going to hang on, and then they take a penalty. And the Predators' power play is not good. No, it's actually the worst-ranked power play in the NHL, and the Stars had held them off the board four times mm -hmm. in the game. Partially to the Stars' um, ability, partially to Nashville's inability. Right. I mean, it's a two-way street yeah. here. So then, of course, with the extra attacker on the ice, they score a six-on-four goal. Roman Yossi hits a spot on a possible angle. Yes. A couple of fans tweeted at us in the post-game show and said they didn't like how Ben didn't get much of a push. From post to post, I think that's a little harsh on that. I one. think that one's harsh on Bishop. I'm anyway, that's... the Preds find a way to tie it, so they go to overtime. But right before the start of overtime, Ekholm gets called for cross-checking. He has some interesting comments after the game that were published uh, when he was talking to the Predators TV uh, post-game that he didn't think there was much of a call there and thought that uh, that Spezza embellished it. Anyway. Yeah. Stars have about 14 seconds of five on four. It goes to overtime, so now it's four on three. Mm -hmm. And they created, by my count, five good scoring chances, including Sagan hitting the crossbar, although I think the best one was probably Jamie Benn one-on-one with Soros in the mid-slot. Yeah. Soros came up with a big save on that. And then you knew it was going to be tough. It goes to four on four, and Miro Heiskanen had been out there for the entirety of the power play three on four on three. Mm -hmm. It's still out there, and they get caught. Ekholm scores to win. Yep. There's your recap. Yeah. And uh, a really good point, but it's disappointing because I think the Stars deserve to win this one today. Good, good point. Gut punch of a finish for the Stars. Yeah, I, I think that's how you look at it that way. Um, it's it, it's it's interesting. I mean. Obviously, I'm sure we have questions about this. I'm sure we'll go over a little bit more. But it was interesting to me just how – because Rick Bonus runs the defense. Um, we talked to Jim Montgomery after the game and everything like that. He's the head coach. But Rick Bonus really makes those decisions on the defense. It was interesting to me how Rick Bonus used all his – used his defensemen tonight because it was clear – the time on ice and usage at the end of the night backs this up – is Joel Hanley and Ben Gleason moved up pretty high and, and – in uh, Rick Bonus's book. Well, they played more than uh, Dylan Hetherington did, and, and Honka Julius, seemed to be like... They played more than Julius Honka tonight, too. Honka seemed to be uh, ostracized in the third period. I didn't see him very much at all. It was interesting because... I'd have to look at the yeah, uh, shift chart. It was, it was interesting because basically what happened was the third period came around, and we talk about risk versus reward for yep. Honka, and the... Oops, uh, empty uh, water bottle yeah. if you pick that up. Yeah. The <laughs> risk... And, when he got to the third period in crunch time against one of the better teams, the coaching staff decided the risk outweighed the potential reward for Honda. Yes. That's what happened tonight. Yes. And they decided that it was safer to play Joel. move, isn't it? It was safer to play Joel Hanley. It was safer to play Ben Gleason than to play Julius Honka in big, Which, in big, in a big Okay. There, I'm sure there's going to be questions about this, so we should get to the lightning yes. round. But you know what, Sean? It brings up an interesting question. If Pollock is able to recover from his illness in time to play Monday night. That you would think. You think Maybe. I think he may still have a better chance than the thought. I'm not yes. feeling overly confident of that. But if that's the case, what does that say? And what happens? Because obviously your first thought is this guy like Gleason or Hanley would go down because they're the the last line, first up, last, you know, last or last up, first down. Is that really going to happen? 
I think Dylan Hetherington is. I wondered the person about that. I think Dylan, that's what Bruce said yeah. too. Dylan you Heather, and Bruce agree, yeah. which is not always the case. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> that's dangerous. I know. He, he always wants to disagree with you. I. Uh, I wondered about it. Would Hetherington be the first one to go? Because oh, it's nice to so, hear Bruce had good hockey okay. tonight. Sean, this this leads right into our lightning round because Luke okay. wrote in a, an early question. A while ago, we hadn't even gotten to the start of our postgame show yet. Is there something about Monty's system that makes it easier on the defense? Seems like that this many injuries would have derailed the team in the past. And I want to segue that into why Hanley or Gleason over Hetherington, because Hetherington is a hitch kind of defenseman. Yeah, it's style. It's style. Um, Gleason and Hanley, to a lesser extent, play the way Monty wants to play. They defend Henry more. Bonus, too. Henrik Bonus wants to play. They defend, and it's not, puck possession is where we often go with this. Oh, we talk about puck possession, puck possession, puck possession. A lot. But, but the bigger thing about this that I think we don't harp on enough is how much they want guys to defend with their stick. Think about how Dylan Hetherington defends. It's more of he has to use his body. He likes to play a little more physically. Ben Gleason's a guy who defends with his stick. Joel yes. Hanley's a guy who defends with his stick. It's way more using your stick. Think about Miro. Now, Miro, Miro was not Miro, Miro was not coached to do this. Miro was going to do this no matter who he, he played just for. Does it? But they defend with their stick, and that's the angles, and that's how Monty wants guys to play. He wants them to use the stick to break up plays before they yeah. develop into a scoring chance. So it's it's that style that fits those guys better than Dylan Hetherington, and it's the reason Dylan Hetherington only played ten something minutes tonight. Ten and a half, exactly. Yeah. Okay. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, he, and to me, based off usage and based off you're making a decision of who's coming out, he comes out and Roman, if Roman Pollock is, is healthy for Monday, or if, Mark, if either one of them are healthy for Monday, and Mark, and Mark Mathot is still a maybe, if, maybe if that, um, I think Hetherington comes out. At least he would in my, in my view. If I'm making the decision, Hetherington comes out because I look at fit and I see Hanley and Gleason fitting better for how I want my team to because play. Because Radulov is on IR... They could, in theory, leave uh, Hetherington in and put Pollock in, and they could even scratch Hawk. I don't think they're going to do that. Yeah, no, they, they don't but, have to send a guy down. Right, they don't they have don't to because they have this open spot. Right, but you, depending on how the health is, you think that might be the case. Okay, yeah. because if, if if let's say if Pollock's okay to go, then you don't need the extra guy up. Yeah. Um, and they're not on they're not on the road, so it's not like they need the cover to worry about getting a guy back up. All right, more questions. AJ wants to know our thoughts on Gleason's performance today. I thought he was good. I mean, I mean it's, it's, it's not. I'll tell you what. He looked nervous in the first period, as you would expect a 20-year-old who hasn't played 15 pro games and yeah. hasn't played any NHL games. I thought, and Monty touched on this in the post-game presser, he played like a guy who's always been confident in himself. Yeah. Because, and the reason why Monty said this, and he alluded to this, was because you don't make the kind of plays that Gleason did if you don't have confidence in your abilities. There are some offensive things that Gleason did. He was in on a four-on-four rush and almost had a, he had a back net after the, the goal to tie it that he could have scored, and I was kind of hoping he would because, I mean, obviously for the result but also the story. And then he made that spin move from should, the left point. Should have been one of the – there were a few calls tonight that the referees didn't call. The Como one was one. Uh, I think there's one I'm missing. There was a too many men that was blatant on the Preds. They were they had five guys on the ice by a mile. It was worse than the Yanmark one that they called in Boston, and they didn't call it. But nonetheless, he, I, mean, the thing I just think I think Gleason really 
raised his stock tonight. He's going to go back to the AHL, but I think that the organization has to feel higher about him today than they did before the game. Oh, 100%. 100% for sure. And the other thing he did, too. Because here's the thing, Sean. He I played his game. Here's the other thing. I think Guys the expectations were that Gleason comes into this game and he's playing, he plays, and he's over his head. Yes. I think so, too. Um, By the, the end of the third period, he didn't look over his head. He was on the ice in overtime. Yeah. I, I, anyway, you know, we really like Gleason. Uh, next question. Kenny writes in, what happened to Smith? Didn't I didn't notice that he played in the third. He played in the third. <laughs> what, Jamel Smith did play in the third? Jamel Smith did play in the third period. Okay, but it was very unnoticeable, wasn't it? Jamel Smith's the 12th man on this NHL roster right now. He's the 12th well, forward. forward. He's the 12th forward when they're healthy. When He's the when, 13th forward if he's they the, get he, somebody back. He's the 13th forward when Radulov comes back. He's yep. the 14th when Hansel gets in. That's just... That is not my. That is not me giving you my opinion right now. That is just me laying out the facts based yep. on what is in front of us. Yeah. The coaches but this is an opportunity him. for Jamel Smith with the injuries to be in the lineup, and this is an opportunity for him to try to work ahead of somebody. And I just haven't seen anything. He had scored a couple nice goals, but Bruce called and look. I always bag on my broadcast partner because it's fun because we have a really good give and take relationship on this. But I, one of the things I really like of all of the bad dad jokes that Bruce likes to throw out there, he calls Jamel Smith the sugar rush. And I find it hilarious because you get the sugar rush. You get that initial high and rush of energy and then it peters off and you don't, and it's gone. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how his game is, isn't it? He has, he's out of the lineup. He comes in, he seems to do something, and you go, oh, wow, do this more, and he just doesn't keep it when, at that and level. And when Jamel scores, it's typically actually a nice goal. Like, obviously, the, the one was just a backdoor tap-in. Yeah. The most recent one, but the one in Detroit. That was great passing by Dickinson. Yeah, but the one play. in Detroit, give him, that was a great goal. That was a shot, that wasn't was a, it? That was a great goal. Um, but, yeah, he is, whether, no matter what your view of Jamel Smith's game is, he is, when you look at what's in front of you, the coaches. No, we even forgot to say Brett Ritchie. Once Brett Ritchie's healthy, he's out of the lineup. Well, yeah, we, yeah, yeah how yeah, can yeah. we forget about Brett Ritchie? We yeah. haven't seen him much lately. Yeah, so. So anyway, um, let's go to another one. Uh, Cody Eastwood's mom, Cheryl, big uh, hello to her. Yes. And a thank you as well because she was helping me out with uh, getting some tickets from Cody. Uh, so thank you, Cheryl. What are the chances, she asks, of Dickinson moving over to defense? It's funny, we joked about this in the the other night, but the chances are zero. Yeah, the chances are zero. The only reason it would ever happen is if they the Stars had in-game injuries and they were short enough defense they needed somebody. And I don't even think Dickinson would be the first one there. I think the only way the only way it happened in-game is if they were down to uh, if they were down to three defensemen. And they needed maybe like, a like fill-in. And they needed a fourth. What if they had they were down to three and the guy was in the penalty box or something? Yeah, something like, like that. Yeah, it's something crazy. Yes. But I I don't think that there. There, the NHL is such fine margins that you're better off calling up a guy like Gleason or Hanley or Hetherington instead of putting Jason Dickinson on defense. Plus, Dickinson has been getting better and better and proving quite useful offensively. Correct. Um, Joe writes in, Did you see, do you see Dallas getting a top six forward? <sighs> this is a multi-point answer, isn't it? Yes. Um Martin Hansel's addition to the lineup will feel like an offseason or a, feel like a free agent acquisition or a trade uh, because he's not going to feel like a top six trade. No, but but he helps the team because he's instantly becomes your best faceoff man. He becomes a guy that can play. I don't know if that's the, true anymore, but uh, well, I, I don't. I think I, he can be better than Spezza. Here's I, the point. But he gives you a. He's a, had three he, back surgeries. Can he be better than Spezza at faceoffs? Yes, he's also I mean, left-handed, so you, I, if, I, I, you I, have I, your top two, uh, one on each side. 
right? Jamie's been pretty good. Jamie Ben on the If you get a fully healthy Martin Hansel, and I like Marty. He let me come to his house and watch a game. But He's I, pain-free, Sean. But it's I not going to hurt him to take face-offs. Yes. It's so anyway, third back surgery. Okay, here's the Hopefully point. he's one of your best face-off men. But I need to see him actually take a face-off. Face-off isn't what I'm worried about with him. It's the contact. I know face-off, there's a lot of torque in the back position. But anyway... If he's healthy and ready to go by the end of November or early December, as they're hoping, he gives you a very good face-off man, Semantics yes. Boy, along with the ability to penalty kill, be a net front presence on a power play unit, probably the second unit, but you could use the first in a situation, and a late-game kill-off guy, which uh, for a game like today, a game like the San Jose Sharks, when it's a one-goal game late, you sorely can use that. But... He's not going to give you the offense unless it's the power play net front that you need. And yeah. so because of that, I think, and, and because of the fact that Radulov is out right now, I think the Stars might be able to make a move later if they're, in the good, if they're feeling good about their standings position towards the trade deadline. Don't you? Yeah, I think the trade, I mean, they needed to make the trade back last February. They needed to make it before <laughs> they March. It. Yes. I mean, so the question is, are they going to get a top six forward? They need it. Will they do it? They, is they question. need it. Whether they'll do it or not depends on. I mean, we it was kind of stunning. They stood pat at the deadline last year. So, do they need one? Yes. Will they actually do it? Um, maybe. I mean, they made a trade today. <laughs> yes, they did, and we didn't talk about that. They acquired Taylor Fadoon. Sean, pat on the back for both of us. Yes. Because on the car cast on Thursday night, we said and speculated that if there was going to be a move to help bolster the blue line depth, it would probably be a veteran AHL guy because the Texas Stars don't have that right now. Yeah. And it would also give cover if they need to call another guy up. Well, they did that. They conditional pick, which is almost a giveaway. Yeah, because it's Taylor Fadoon, who has a lot of previous playing experience with assistant coach Todd Nelson when he was the head coach of the Oklahoma City Barons and the Edmonton Oilers. And Fadoon's played in the NHL. He's played for years in the AHL. And he's a power play guy. He's not big. He can shoot, move the puck. He's a guy that fits that spot. As you can call him up for a spot start if you need him, right? Yeah, yeah. And and and, and the condition is he has to play 25 NHL games between playoffs or playoffs regular, regular season, season playoff games between now and the end of the year. And um, and you give a seventh round pick in 2020. If he doesn't, it's basically a it's move nothing. him, yeah. which to me suggests that the Buffalo Sabers were willing to find another place for Taylor. Fredoon and and to that play. is the case. I, I as far as as far as I talked to I sent a message over to our athletic writer in Buffalo who pointed out to me said basically they just and also Rochester's running into a bit of a, bit of a vet rule issue. Yes. Um, and that the yeah. Texas Stars had that last year and so. it's a drag because then you have a veteran who deserves and needs to be in the lineup sitting every night. Uh, quickly, because we already kind of talked about this, but two other questions. Star at Center Ice asked, um, other than the turnover at the blue line, I thought Honka played a good game. What did the coaches think? No, but we, we saw we saw in the Jim Montgomery. His usage in the third period. We saw his usage, and then Jim Montgomery, his usage speaks louder than words, because we asked Jim Montgomery about it after the game, and Jim Montgomery said, I thought Julius did well to respond from his mistake. Yes. It wasn't Which was the turnover in the it, second. It wasn't. It wasn't the. If you want to read between the lines, when he talked when he talked about Miro Heiskanen, he talked about what he did good. He talked about yep. other things he did. When he talked about Ben Gleason, he talked about things he liked throughout the game. When he talked about Julius, he said, "I thought he did well to recover from a mistake." So that's that tells you that tells me what I need to know as far as he was bad. He wasn't bad, 
but he wasn't where they want him to be. And if this, there's this window of opportunity for Honka to jump into. Yeah. Tonight he was overshot. He was outshone by out, ugh, outshined by two guys who have spent the entire season in the AHL. He was. He was overall in the coach's mind. I think from there. Finally, Stefan wrote. We we talked about Hetherington. He only played ten heavily sheltered minutes with so many guys out. What does that say about what the coaching staff thinks? Not looking too good for Heater. I think we already said that. He just doesn't fit this. He doesn't fit this coaching staff. Uh, I like Dylan Hetherington as a person. I like what he does in the locker room. He's a real teammate first guy. I like the physical game that he can play. He just, I don't think he's a, a fast enough skater to be ideal for this system. His problem is he doesn't know what he doesn't, not that he doesn't know, but I guess, I guess I could phrase it that way. He doesn't seem to know what to do when the puck is on his stick, even for the simple plays. And he had a scoring chance tonight. Yeah. He did. And then he. On the rush. He tried to run UC Saros into the, not, he didn't try to run him. Let me rephrase that. But he basically, it turned into him sliding into UC Saros. It wasn't the most, uh, graceful. It wasn't the most Tyler Sagan esque type move or whatever, but. That being said, you know, I'm not ripping Heather, Hetherington's game because of that play. No, no, no. But that's, and that's not yeah. why he played sheltered yeah. minutes either. But, yes, no, no, there are – I'll tell you what. Practice tomorrow is earlier than I thought it would be. I 10, thought it was going to be later. 10.30, but 10, right? 10.30 in Frisco tomorrow. We might see some things that surprise us. We might. We might. Um, well, uh, I think we'll see one last defenseman tomorrow in theory. Um who knows? We'll find out. Yeah. So there you have it, folks. Thank you for, as always, for listening to our lovely car cast. And I'm going to end on one slightly personal rant, Sean. Is it about the thing we're looking at right now? It is. It's <laughs> now dark. And down the street from Sean's abode, somebody is hanging. You can actually see these abnormal <laughs> moving. I thought that was the wind for a second. Yeah. but. Christmas lights being moved, and we can't see the person because it's dark. But they, have have, they must have a stick because they're not on a ladder. You think, oh, you think they're just but, reaching him up that way? Yeah, they, they must have a stick because there's no way some person is moving that well on the ladder yeah, without falling. Yeah, you're right, and especially yeah. that up and down that yeah. much. My rant is it is November 10th. Can we please do one holiday at a time? I saw this the uh, November 1st in my neighborhood. Somebody already had their Christmas decorations up and Christmas tree in their house. I am a bit, I like Christmas as much as the next person, but I don't like how we saw Christmas decor before Halloween in stores, mm-hmm. but now especially Thanksgiving is coming up. We still have a month and a half before Christmas. I think you can. I, I don't like, I don't like, I, I know they're trying to get into the shopping mode and all this, but I would really like the holiday lights to wait until Black Friday. That's my rule. If you day after Thanksgiving, go nuts. I think you can do a couple Christmas things before Thanksgiving. I think you can... Every year that's just leading to farther and farther, I, right? I, I know, one more step know, out from I, the shore. I think you can do a couple things leading up to it. I don't... If, 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 if it makes you happy and you... Like, seriously, no. If, I'm just laughing because we have opinions about everything. If, so. if, if it makes you happy and you want to listen to holiday music, now that... Fine. And that rants. That, I, that's also a Dallas so, radio station rant I have about switching to all-time holiday music for... Already, it's November 10th. Well, I mean, enough people listen to it, clearly. I guess. if Yeah, you wouldn't do it if you didn't think it was so worth it. Cl- it clearly gets the ratings, and you know what? I, I for one, am not one of those people. I, I like holiday music I, at the holidays, there, not there, a month and a half before. There are times that it's worth, it's it's fun to watch a Christmas movie sometimes before Thanksgiving. It's fun to hear a song or two before Thanksgiving. By the way, Bruce Willis did definitively say at his Comedy Central roast, Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. It's a Bruce Willis movie. <laughs> And that made me laugh. So there you go. And a hot dog is not a sandwich.
since we've gone off the I thought you were going to end on that. I thought that was I, perfect. I thought I was. We have nope. a good cold open. Right, that we, I may or may not put in. Everyone have a good one. We're not using that. We're not using the cold open. If openings. you do that, I'll accuse you of the Canadian Uber driver, the Arizona Uber driver uh, misrepresentation. <laughs> Everyone, thank you for listening, and thank you for and thank you for not having to listen at one in the morning. Thank you, schedule makers.